If you have a Bible nearby, if you go to Luke chapter 9, I want to approach today just a little bit differently um, than most Sundays. Uh, I have a few group questions. How's that sound? Y'all up for it? No, you're not? Okay. One person, whoever wooed, whoever wooed, you can come on up. Or wooer. We are on the cusp of uh, the next season of the church calendar, which um, which would be it's called Lent. And uh, growing up a uh, lifetime Southern Baptist church member in South Louisiana, Lent was always very confusing to me. I had friends who were Catholic who would have to give up something for Lent, which seemed really unfortunate because it was always something awesome, like chocolate or cake or something something sugary usually with all my, my friends and I had a March birthday and so I'd have these friends come to my birthday party and they couldn't eat the cake because it was Lent and yeah, I never really, it never computed, no one ever explained it to me what was going on And but as a Baptist kid in my mind, Lent was always a Catholic thing and then I got older and found out that really we're like the only people that don't do it <laughs> Baptists are like one of the only ones all the other like mainline Protestant denominations observe uh, Lent in some in some way, shape, or form. It's kind of like us and the Pentecostals are the ones who are like, no, we don't we don't tend to do that. And it's not to say that no Baptist churches do, but by and large, it's not really observed uh, in the in the same tradition as maybe the Catholic Church, the Presbyterian Church, Episcopals, Episcopalians, Anglicans, all that kind of stuff. And so. The older I've gotten, the more I have uh, studied it and learned about it. And uh, some of you know my brother, Drew. He, uh, it, he, like me, grew up Southern Baptist, but he went to a Methodist seminary. And so he and I are always having all these interesting discussions from different perspectives. And he really has introduced me to the depths of what uh, the church calendar can mean to us. And so the season of Lent begins on Wednesday, and so Mardi Gras is is uh, kind of like, hey, let's go super crazy, uh, because at midnight on like starting on Wednesday, like we can't go crazy anymore. We have to give up stuff, and so it's like this one last let's go wild kind of thing. And then that's why at midnight on like when, when the clock strikes twelve Tuesday night, they'll push everyone out of the streets of New Orleans because Lent has officially begun. And so uh, Lent is. Built around a couple of different passages of Scripture. Uh, one of them is, uh, you don't need to turn here, but in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, it says, When the days drew near for, for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. When it was time... You know, he had he had lived, let's say, thirty something years, and had had this ministry, and had had all this stuff going on, and then, like the clock, it's almost like the clock started ticking toward the crucifixion, and this verse says that he turned his face toward Jerusalem, which is kind of this this symbolic way of him saying, "Okay, it's time. Let's set. Let's start to let me let me begin to prepare myself. Let me set my face toward that in that direction." And so a part of what Lent does is it, uh, us as the church, we are saying, hey, we're not going to let something as significant as Easter sneak up on us. Just like with Advent, we say, hey, we're going to spend a few weeks getting ready to celebrate the arrival of the Messiah and the future arrival of our Messiah. 
with Lent, we're saying, hey, we're going to take a period of time and we're, we're going to set our faces toward Easter now because it's too significant to try to like get in the right mindset, you know, just during Holy Week. And so it's like a ramping up of the, for the church and a focus on that. And it's modeled after Jesus' 40 days in the desert uh, where he was fasting and praying and uh, battling uh, temptation from Satan. And so it's a 40-day period, uh, and you don't count Sundays. And so it's kind of lo- it's kind of long, honestly. It's much longer than, than Advent. And so uh, it's this symbolic, like, it's like symbolically the church follows Jesus into the desert and spends time doing what he did. And in so, in so doing, in that like, very imitative way, we are able to connect with him in, in some really beautiful ways. And so we set our faces toward, toward the cross and toward the resurrection and toward everything that that entails. And we spend 40 days, not counting Sundays, journeying in that direction. And by doing this, the, the church uh, like pilgrimages, is that the right word? We're on a pilgrimage. Pilgrimages is not really a word. We are on a, on a pilgrimage together uh, in this direction. And there are a couple of things that we, that we do to kind of uh, put, some, put some structure to it. And it really is reflected in this verse that I sent you to, Luke 9, verse 23. You've probably heard this verse before. Where Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. And take up his cross daily and follow me. This is, this, this is the spirit of Lent. We are following Jesus into the desert. We are following Jesus as he has set his face toward Jerusalem. We're, we're following him, him into the, the very same things that he did and has called us to do. And we're asking him to help, uh, like to use these things to transform us and change us. So let's look at just this one verse this morning. As I kind of want to kind of lay the groundwork for what the next several weeks are going to look like. Um, so first off in the verse, he says, if anyone would come after me. And I've talked about this before, um, but I'm not afraid to repeat myself. Uh, to come after a rabbi was, was this, this really special thing that a, a young, a, a Jewish boy who had been through his bar mitzvah, he would, if he wanted to study with a rabbi, if he wanted to continue in the faith, he would find a rabbi that he uh, was impressed with, and a rabbi that he wanted to be exactly like. And he would go ask if he could follow after that rabbi. And so he would leave his home, and he would go and become a part of this little group of disciples who would follow this rabbi around. They would live life literally in his shadow. Uh, that was uh, one of the phrases they would talk about is that you would want the rabbi, the, the dust that he kicked up, you would want it to get on you because you're that close to him. And so uh, rabbi to follow after a rabbi was a very important thing. And uh, here Jesus is saying, if anyone wants to follow after me, like if you want to live in my shadow, if you want to get dust on you that I've kicked up, Here's, here's what it takes. But the invitation is not just, um, it's not just about like, Hey, do you want to learn some things? Um, this is, was about becoming something. It's about becoming like him. Uh, the goal was to imitate the rabbi enough to become just like the rabbi. And that's what you, that was the goal. And 
so what when Jesus is saying this, he's, he's not just saying, hey, do you want to you learn how to do some of the things I know how to do? He's saying, do you want to become like me? If anyone wants to become like me, if like, I'm, he's essentially saying, I'm on board with that. Like, you don't have to pass any sort of test. You don't have to jump through any hoops. You don't have to be, you just, here, here is what is required if you really want, if you want to be like me. Um, he even tells us in, in John 14 that, like, when he's handing, handing things over to the church, he says, actually, you're going to do greater things than I. He says, you're going you're to do greater things than me, which is mind-blowing when you think about it. And so this, this is more than just an invitation to learn things. It's, he's saying, hey, I'm going to teach you to live in the kingdom like me, but, I'm, but, I, but you're going to become like me in the process. And so this is what he requires. He says, uh, anyone who wants to do that, here's what you have to do. You have to deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. So we see the spirit of Lent in those things. The first one in terms of deny, like self-denial, uh, we deny ourselves during Lent through fasting and prayer. So fasting during Lent, that was the only thing that I knew about it growing up, is that you had to give something up. All my Catholic friends had to give something up. That's like the basic, baseline of my knowledge. Fasting is, has long been part of, of Lent for a number of reasons. And so it's about more than just giving something up. That is that part of Lent is modeled after Jesus going into the desert and he fasted for forty days, no food, no water for forty days, and so we are going to follow him into into that same environment and we're going to fast ourselves. Now, uh, fasting for forty days from food and water is not something that you should do. Like you're like you have to you have to work up to that. It's a whole thing. Don't. Just, don't take it literally. Um, so what is it, like, why would we, why would fasting be a part of following after Jesus? Why does that, why does that make sense? Let me ask for some group input here. Why does, before we get to fasting, why does just self-denial in general, why does deny yourself make complete sense to you when it comes to it being a requirement to follow after Jesus? Who would, who would want to answer, answer that? Why does self-denial make perfect sense to be a requirement? Stay away from sin. Well said. Well said. So a part of self-denial, I'm assuming, Jensen, that you're saying that to sin is to give in to what you want. Self-denial would be to say no to what what your flesh wants. Right? All right. That's what Jesus did. That Jesus denied himself, so we are following after him, so we're imitating him, we're learning to be like him. Awesome. What else? What's that? I'm sorry. In self-denial, yeah. Dependence on him. What else? Not about us. Makes it not about you, yeah. Focus more on the spiritual. You're such brilliant answers. You people are amazing. Let's hear some more dudes talk. Anyone got, anyone? Yeah, he probably, he, yeah. He got nailed to a cross and didn't want to. Yeah. Yeah. Learning to put others first. Yeah. 
Yeah, if you're denying yourself, you're not, you can't be self-reliant because you'd you rule that out. So, so the denial of self, if you want to come, af- come after me, Jesus, in a nice way, he's saying, hey, you coming after me can't be about you. Nothing can, nothing can be built around you. It has to be built around the Lord. And so the starting point is to say no to some of the things that you, that you want. They don't even have to be bad things. They can be good things. And so what we do during Lent is we, we practice self-denial in some, in some kind of way. Um, so fasting is uh, it's part of the tradition where you essentially abstain from a normal part of your life. And you replace it with prayer as Jesus did. So Jesus goes into the desert. Instead of eating, he is praying. So it's not just, I'm going to give something up. It's, it's also, what am I going to replace it with? It has to be both. And what you give up needs to be something that tends to have control on you somehow. It, it needs to be something that, that maybe, maybe you lean on a little bit too much. Maybe it eats up too much of your time. Maybe you're, too much of your focus. Maybe... Um, Maybe it's, it's part of how you cope with things instead of turning to the Lord. They're, like, you don't just fast something that you're like, what can I live without for 40 days? You know, what can I, what can I, I can still be okay without this. We really need to think, what, what would it take, even after 40 days, I would still not be used to this being absent from my life kind of thing. And so a part of what we do in getting ready for Lent is we begin to think and we begin to pray and we ask the Lord, what am I supposed to abstain from? What am I supposed to say no to? What in my life has it ha- just ha- it has too much of a voice? It may not be a full full like idol level kind of thing, but it's it's maybe it is, but it really is something that's just it's playing the role it's not supposed to play. What can I say no to in order to create space in order to disrupt my normal rhythms? And in that space, how can I like spend time with the Lord in prayer and reading the scriptures and just being, being with him, and so that's part of the, of the goal. Is we follow him into the desert. He fasted from food. What are we going to fast from? What's well, going to vary across the room? And that's how it's supposed to be. Is you're supposed to really come before the Lord and kind of figure out what you need. And what'll happen is it'll change your relationship to God, and it'll change your relationship to the thing that you're fasting from. So at the end of a 40-day fast, do you think Jesus was weak or do you think he was strong? He was strong. He was hungry. He was strong. To withstand the temptation from the enemy the way that he did, there's a strength that is there. And so he's not depending on food. He's just depending on the Father. To the point where Jesus makes this st- a very stunning statement in his ministry. He says, uh, he says, I have food you know nothing about. To me, obeying my father, that's what that's food. Like that is that is what sustains me. That's the only thing. And so as we fast from uh, it, it could be a, could be food, it could be types of food, it could be something dietary like that, it could be social media, it could be TV, it could be uh, any any number of things. We cut those out of our normal rhythms, we replace it with time with the Lord. And we ask him to change how we relate to him and to that, whatever that thing is.
What that does is it, it has a way of getting God's attention. Not that, not that he doesn't already have our attention, okay? But he notices. He's like, you're serious about this, aren't you? And what it does is it tunes you into what he is communicating. And so I talk with people all the time who are, you know, they're, they're trying to hear from the Lord. They want his leadership in his life, trying to make some big decisions, like all these kinds of things are going on. And I'll say, have you fasted? And sometimes they say, yes. Uh, yeah, I'm just starting one. Or, yeah, I've been thinking about doing that or whatever. And sometimes they say, no, I hadn't even thought about that. It, this should be a normal part of Christian uh, of the rhythm of the church is uh, when you're you want to get dialed into what God's doing, fasting and praying is a part of that, and so Lent helps us practice that as a group. Um, two practical things, real quick. We talked about abstaining from something and replacing it with Jesus in in some form. And then what we're going to do as a church, we're going to ask everyone in the church to participate in a, in a, a one day of the week, one meal of the week fast. That every Wednesday that the church would fast at lunch and that you would, uh, this would be a day when all of us during our lunch break or however that looks, um, that you're finding some, some way to get alone with the Lord and so we're going to have this room open from 11 to 1 on Wednesdays. If you work nearby or live nearby and we'll, you want to come here and pray, that's awesome. If you live somewhere, uh, if, you live, uh, huh, if you work somewhere where you can just go outside and be with the Lord, if there's a park nearby, if there's, if there's any way for you to break free and to go, if the idea of the whole church saying no to lunch on Wednesday and saying yes to Jesus in prayer at the same time, Scattered all over the place, uh, kind of a kind of a cool thing. So I know that it's gonna. You may struggle to figure out how that fits in with your work and school and all that stuff. Um, just you know, figure it out. It'll be our, it'll be okay. Uh, we're not legalists about it. But if you can participate in that, those are some practical things that we want to do. So you have your own personal fasting, and then we're gonna have that that one part of our rhythm through those weeks where the whole church is doing that together. And so self denial during Lent. That is a part of it, and uh, we say no to ourselves, we say yes to Jesus, and so through fasting and prayer, we are connecting to him in that way, headed toward Jerusalem together. Then he says, uh, says you have to deny, deny himself, and take up his cross daily, and follow me. So self-examination is another part of Lent. Lent is Lent is, is a heavier season than Advent. Uh, Advent has it has its own kind of heaviness because we're looking at the world and we're kind of we're longing for Jesus to come and we're looking at the brokenness and all that kind of stuff of of our world around us. Lent turns a little more inward. Lent is a time where where we are reminding ourselves of the role that we play in this story. The role that we play in the journey toward, toward the cross. And so instead of shying away from confession and repentance, during Lent, we as a, as a group all turn our faces toward those and we say, uh, all right, I'm, I'm, this is the plow I'm putting my hands to. We're going to confess. We're going to repent. We're going to, there's going to be self-examination. We're going to own up to the things, uh, the, the ways that we have contributed to it. 
Now, other than, other than Jesus, only guilty people were, had to like, pick up a cross and carry it to their, uh, the site of their death. So every other person that ever carried a cross, like that phrasing, was someone who had been convicted of a crime. So in a sense, a part of what he's saying is like owning your role in the story. That carrying your cross is owning up to your own guilt. So here's another group to space question. In your experience, what happens when, when you forget your role in the story? Here's what I mean. We sing a song and one of the lyrics says, It was my sin that held him there. That's, that's us saying, hey, I, I did that to him, you know. But sometimes we get very caught up in other aspects of, of this big narrative. We tend to gravitate toward the more, like, like the happier stuff, right? And rightfully so, that's great. But Lent is a time where we, where we, we have to kind of talk about the unhappy stuff a little bit. So in your experience, what happens to you in times when you, you kind of... Sh- Stray away from that reality that it was your sin that held him there. What kind of ha- what happens to you? you? Forget that you need that you needed the cross. Yeah. Hmm. Tend to indulge. So self denial goes kind of out the window, and so you're essentially not you're not living this verse out when you forget your role. That's good. Yeah, stop seeing stop seeing yourself and other people the way that Jesus does. Prideful? Yeah, is that what you said? Two pridefuls at once. Must be a winner. <laughs> Absolutely. We become very prideful. Become more disobedient. Yeah, it just kind of feeds that side of us. Oh, so you become more self-reliant, so more anxious. Yeah. We use God instead of love him. Yikes. All right, we're ready to quit? Okay. <laughs> it went, and the, whole, and the church calendar, like it's such a brilliant thing because, um, it's like these. It's like the church fathers said, "Hey, we want to make sure that in the rhythm of a year, we give focus to the right things, and we're gonna we're gonna put this season in there leading up to Easter. And if the whole rest of the year, if you live in denial that it was your sin that held in there, we're we're gonna make we're gonna make you think about it. We're gonna make you pray about it. We're gonna make you own it." We're gonna make you realize that to to take up your cross in in part is admitting, yeah, I, I contributed to the death of of my first love, you know. And so, confession and repentance—that's a part of the season of Lent. And so, confession, like in terms of practicality, I mean, that's that's as simple as like you you reviewing your day. That's what C.J. Mahaney talks about. He's like, yeah, at the end of your day, just like think through think through your whole day. Just ask God to show you, like, hey, where where did I make it about me? And he'll show you. 
It's about us reviewing our lives. It's, it's looking in the mirror and re- realizing that uh, all, like, although he has changed our identity, those patterns of sainthood are still being worked out in us. We still have those, those missteps and those times of pride and arrogance and self-reliance. And like you guys are saying, it, it leads to anxiety and stress and, and disobedience and all these other things. And it has this escalating nature to it. And so think about, think about a 40-day period where the entire church, if, if all of us are doing something as simple as reviewing our day and not, not asking God, God, forgive me for being a jerk at, at work. Forgive me for yelling at my spouse. Forgive me for kicking the dog. Forgive, forgive me for uh, lying on my taxes. Forgive me. Like, not like asking God to forgive you for all that, but recognizing Jesus, these are all reasons Jesus already died. It's not asking him to forgive you. It's acknowledging he has already forgiven you for those things. It's just every day we're, we're reminding ourselves it was my sin that held him there. This and this and this and this and this that held him there until it was accomplished. That's the other part of the lyric. That's not the end of the story. But it's us stepping into the story and just and reminding ourselves and reminding each other and reminding God, like, hey, we've not forgotten. We've not forgotten our role. And what happens is the 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 footholds that those sins create that keep us from obedience, those get smoothed out to where the enemy is he, unable to get his little foot in there. Because that's what happens is, is we have these, these sinful patterns, these things that we do, and we're, we feel distant from the Lord, we're ashamed, we're whatever. And what that does is it, it keeps you from saying yes to what he puts in front of you. John Piper preached a sermon at a Passion Conference several years ago. Uh, and, and most of the sermons that, that John Piper has preached at Passion have been really confusing to a lot of people. And so the Passion Conference is a, it's, it's 50,000, 60,000 college students. John Piper gets up there and he goes like six miles deep or 48 miles over their head, however you want to think of it. And, and it's nothing against them. It's just he's just way smarter than everybody in the whole room. And so a lot of times he's confusing. But there's one year he came in and he, he could not have been more on point, in my opinion. And this was the, the premise of his sermon was this, was that the enemy has used the guilt and shame of sexual sin to keep the gospel from going to the nations. This was his point. Is that so many people who have messed up in that area of life or have... They, they haven't worked through it. They haven't processed it. They haven't uh, let the blood of Jesus like speak to that and, and, and forgive them. They have not worked themselves through a confession and repentance thing that I'm talking about. And they're sitting there paralyzed because of it. So ashamed. God could never use me. All that kind of stuff. And he says, and that has kept generations of people from saying yes to the things that God has put in front of them. Because they become convinced that God could never use them because of what they did. And if the gospel could be applied there for us to step into our true identity would then be to step into obedience. And so what he was saying is, could it be that there are unreached people groups on the planet still because we're all sitting there in our like hiding in the shadows and, and scared and ashamed. And could it be that God is calling us into the light 
not only to heal us and for us to walk in the reality of who we are, but because he has greater things to do ahead of us. I mean, it was, it was a stunning, stunning sermon. And I don't even know that he's, I don't know it's just that one area of life. Could it be that there's so many on the sidelines and in the shadows because of all the other kind of stuff, because we have not confessed and repented? So confessing is saying, it was my sin that held him there. Repenting is saying, and I'm not going there again. If there's no change in your life, then that's just religion. That's what Confession without repentance is just religion. That's going in saying, hey, I need to get all this stuff off my chest. Oh, I feel so much better. Now I'm going to go do it all again anyway. And that's so much of what our culture is wrapped up in. And so what we do as the church is when Lent begins... We set our faces toward Jerusalem, and not only in self-denial, but in this, in this kind of thing of confession and repentance, taking up our crosses, which is really about obedience. So for Jesus, he had to take up his cross, for you and for me, and it was obedience no matter what it cost him, which was his own life. And that's really, that's the, that's the subtext of what he's getting to is deny yourself and say yes to what God has for you, no matter what it costs you. Confessing, confessing and repenting are going to get you there, but really it's just about coming and saying, yes, I will follow you, God, in whatever you have for me, even if it costs me my life, like it did Jesus. Now, very few of us are, will obedience to, to Christ cost you your life in the way that it did him. But for us, it's really about saying, I'm going to follow you no matter what you require of me. So Lent is an opportunity to not let the enemy get his foot in there and mess with us about the times that we have messed up because we have a rhythm of confessing and repenting and saying the blood of Jesus has already covered this so you can get behind me. So we deny ourselves by fasting and praying. We we take up our crosses daily through confession and repentance that drives us to obedience. And then the last thing he says, and follow me, just simply follow me. This is this, this is exactly what it sounds like. He's like, just walk, walk beside me, Im- imitate me, listen to me, do what I do. Like take take me seriously. Listen to my words. Become like me. And so, in denying ourselves and taking our crosses, we we carry all that into into like the shadow of our rabbi. We're coming to him. We're 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 in we're in his shadow. We're saying it's really hard to deny myself in this way, but I'm trying. He's like, I know, I see you because you're right there with me. And we're carrying these crosses forward. We're saying, uh, God, this, this suffering that I'm going through, this, this difficult time, this, like, what, this angst, this frustration, this whatever it may be, <clears throat> this thing I'm carrying, I'm carrying it right next to you. He's like, I know, I see you. You're right there. And you never have to wonder, does he see me denying myself? Does he see me like really trying? He does, because you're right there with him. Does he see me suffering? He does, because he's right there with you. And so in following him, we're, we're, we're trying to imitate him and be with him. 
And the only way to really follow him, like the only way to do this is through immersion. That's why the disciples had to, they had to leave their fishing boats and come and follow him. Matthew had to stop being a tax collector and follow him. Any group of disciples had to leave their family and go follow their rabbi. And so you and I, we have to say no to ourselves and yes to him. And we carry with us all this stuff and we're following after him. And so how do we how do we do that part well? You know, like how do we how do you immerse yourself in his life during this time? Well, a couple of practical things. The first thing I think is you have to do Lent the right way. Like if you if you want to follow him, then you have to literally follow him. And Lent is a season where we follow him into the desert. He's fasting and praying, so we're fasting and praying. He's taking up his cross and being obedient to the Father. We're taking up our crosses and being obedient to the Father. As Satan is coming at him, uh, all the lies that he's bringing at him, he is, uh, he is having to wrestle with those things. The devil comes at him and is like, take a shortcut, man, it'll be fine. Don't you know who you are? God will have to take care of you. He's lying to him. And so we're, we're imitating him in this way. We're, we're immersed there. We're, we're figuring out who we are. And Jesus knew who he was. He knew who the, de- the devil was. And he knew that he was weak, but he knew where his strength came from. We're doing all those things out in the desert with Jesus for 40 days. That's what we're doing. And so following me is a is a thing that we do figuratively and kind of literally between now and Easter. Another practical thing is that we're going to read the Bible together. There's going to be a reading plan. We're going to read one of the Gospels together. I'm not sure which one yet. You'll know. Um, but we're going to read a little bit at a time. What, what better way to immerse ourselves in the life of Christ than to read, to read His story, to read His words and so there'll be daily readings where we're keeping up. That's a part of following him into the desert. It's a part of imitating him. And we're going to take up an offering. Take up an offering um, that's not going to be a, at the end of, of the season thing. It's going to be a every Sunday opportunity. And it's not a, not a write a big check offering. It's it's uh, John Bales brought this from uh, Hope Church and New Life Church. They did it. They just called it a dollar offering. It's like a loose change offering. We're going to have a place to leave that back there. It's going to accumulate over the course of Lent. And that's going to go to to a a very special place that I'll tell you about later on. But we're imitating him in those ways. So we're following him into the desert. And we're doing the things that he did in the desert. And we're reading about him in the text. And we're we're giving giving of our money because that's like a part of how we imitate him. How Any way that we could follow him and imitate him, we do that during Lent. And for hundreds of years, God has used Lent to shape and mold his children in these deep and meaningful ways. In fact, they would use Lent as a time of testing. Like They wouldn't just hastily baptize people back in the day. They'd say, all right, uh, Lent's coming up, so you make it through Lent, and then we'll, we'll, we'll believe you that you're for real, and then, then we'll baptize you. Um, and so during the season of Lent... Like we have some folks that are ready to get baptized, and so that, that tub is going to get filled up. We're going to start to see that as a part of it as well. And so Lent is a season where like God's like, look, I'll, I'll do some amazing things among you. Just decide that you want to follow after me. Like make that a priority. 
then just deny yourself. Take take up whatever take whatever it is up and just follow after me. Immerse yourself in my life and do that together. And so I would challenge all, all of us to give this some serious thought as thing as Wednesday approaches and get ready. And just ask yourself, do I, do I want to come after him? He's already said yes. If you want to come after me, here's all it takes. Come on. I love the idea of the church, the universal church, setting, setting their faces toward Jerusalem together. And so that's what we will do beginning on Wednesday. And I'll email some of these things out and stuff like that. You'll see it. But really, now is the time when you, when you make up your mind, do I, do I want this or not? Like, do I want to get to Easter and be a completely different disciple than I am sitting in this moment? And do I believe that God can use these disciplines, these practices, uh, to do that, to forge me into some, into more and more into his image? I think that he can. He's done it. We just want him to do it again. So I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to respond a little bit and sing. So why don't you stand as the band comes back up. You pray for us. God, I'm grateful uh, for that open invitation that Jesus gives. Thankful that it's not just for the rich or powerful. It's not just for um, the really talented or the really athletic or the really smart. It doesn't matter your age or your skin color, or what you do for a living. There's just no restrictions on it. It's just a character thing. It says, hey, just be humble. Bring your baggage with you. And just follow me. So Jesus, thank you for that beautiful kind of invitation. And I pray, Father, as Lent approaches, that, uh, that we in this room would take that seriously. Just what an opportunity in front of us. And we know you don't, you don't need us to do this. You don't, we don't have, like, you're not begging us, but you're inviting us. And that's never something we want to take casually. But we love you very much, and we thank you for all your care for us as we respond in different ways, Lord. Um, Pray this response time helps us get ready for what's ahead. We love you, and pray this in your name. Amen. So our normal response time is how we're going to kind of approach things, and this is sort of a way to get ready for what Lent may involve. Uh, if you want to come and receive communion, we'll have uh, some stations down here. And this is, you you take the bread, you dip it in the juice. It's that kind of communion and so uh, if this, that's a way that you can say yes to what Jesus has for you and you get ready for Lent, then you can come on with that. We're going to sing a little bit, and we're gonna, uh, you can kneel and pray. Uh, we've got John Bales holding down the front row. He'd love to pray with you if you want to. Um, let's just spend a few moments.
you know, kind of a holiday weekend, uh, a lot going on, and uh, just the simplicity of what he's put in front of us. And so we're going to sing this another another old hymn to kind of get us moving here. Um, so if you know this one, why don't you sing it with us?